Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. I am Katherine Eastman, the Archives Manager of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I'm David Leopold, the Creative Director. And today we are going back to school. That's right. It's back to school season. We're going back to college. Uh, we're going to Harvard, folks. Yep. Big time. We're Ivy League. Um, and the reason we're going to Harvard is because, you may not believe this, but Harvard University has the largest public collection of Hirschfeld artwork uh, of any place on the entire planet. That's true. And it was put together uh, by primarily by one uh, alumni uh, and it started in 1976. Yes, uh, Mel Seaton was his name, Melvin. And he was a fantastic collector of Hirschfeld works. Mel Seaton was a connoisseur. Uh, he was an investment banker who had made his money that way. And throughout his life, when he was a student at Harvard, he took many classes uh, in the art department and on art history. Mm. And really, it helped him become a connoisseur. Mm, so throughout his working career, he supported art programs at Harvard. And when uh, he retired from active investment banking, he really spent a lot of time not just collecting uh, artwork for Harvard, but for a number of museums across the country. Right. Um, uh, Mel died in 2011, uh, and when he died, the memorial service was at the Frick uh, mm. uh, Gallery uh, in New York, the Frick Museum. And I was astounded by how many important people there were in the art world and in institutions um, from around New York and around the country and even around the world. He was a very significant uh, contributor and donor who did not put his name on things, but rather was all about the quality of the artwork. Right, right. Uh, and an interesting, obviously, he was a great fan of Hirschfeld. Yes, and an indeed. interesting fact is that he was colorblind which drew him to the black and white works of Mr. Al Hirschfeld. That's very interesting. Now, I, I knew him and we never talked about that. Now, this is just according to his New York Times obituary. <laughs> well, uh, if it's in the New York Times, obviously it obviously. can't be wrong. <laughs> yes, nobody lies in their obituary either. Uh, so he was a great fan of Hirschfeld. And so we've got a lot, a lot of drawings. How many drawings are there actually in Harvard's collection? There are over 100 drawings. Easy. Uh, and they also have uh, prints. Yes. Um, yep. They have a collection of sketchbooks. Right. They have a number of pieces of ephemera. Um, Mel was a, a very shrewd uh, collector, mm. and he combed uh, auctions and sales and mm. galleries all over the world looking uh, for what he wanted. And whether yeah. this was a Fragonard or a New Yorker cartoon, because mm -hmm. he ended up um, creating the largest collection, private collection, of New Yorker cartoons of anyone on right. anywhere. Right. Um, but how he got started at Harvard with Hirschfeld it wasn't his idea. Um, oh, interesting. It was, was it? Agnes uh, Mongan, right? Um, who was an incredibly important art historian mm -hmm. uh, um, at a time when women weren't art historians, right? She, and oh, and she was uh, she you know when she first started working at the Fogg Museum at Harvard, she was the keeper of drawings because they at that time this is in the nineteen forties mm. they did not allow women to be curators. Wow, keeper of drawings. Yeah, that's so like. So it sounds like witchcraft, like a witch or something, like the keeper of the stones. Uh, eventually she did become, by the end of the 40s, they mm -hmm. decided that women could be 
a curator. In, in fact, she was the first curator at any major art institution in America. Mm, first she woman curator. First, yeah, first female um, uh, curator. And eventually she became the associate director and eventually the director of the Fogg Museum. And she was the first woman to, to head a major art museum. Wow. In and the, the Fogg Museum is Harvard's museum. Yes. That's the name of Harvard's uh, museum. Yes. So it was her idea to bring Hirschfeld to Harvard. It was September 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hirschfeld had just done... Uh, what is arguably an incredible drawing mm, of Richard yes. Kiley in a revival of Man of La Mancha. Right. And I looked, you know, I've done research at Harvard and I found the letter that she wrote to her superior at the time mm. saying that we need to find an alumni to acquire this drawing for us because Hirschfeld may never get better than this. Wow. This is such an, uh, an incredible example mm-hmm. of his drawing. And which I think was very, she was very shrewd and she was very, she understood what she was looking at. Yes, she understood the art. She wasn't looking at the celebrity. Right. She wasn't looking at the play. She was looking at the drawing. Yep. It's this, uh, uh, it's the same reason why the Metropolitan Museum of Art collects Hirschfeld's drawings. Mm-hmm. They think he is one of the masters of American draftsmanship. And the subject matter is not entirely important to them. It's the drawing that's important to them. Right. So the person that they, the alumni that they found to, to uh, acquire this work for Harvard was Mel Seaton. Wow. And I never asked Mel directly what happened next. Mm-hmm. But he started to, he started to want to have more Hirschfeld drawings. He mm-hmm. saw the the beauty and the draftsmanship in the drawings and he started to collect them and he wanted a good representative sampling of the work at harvard in their harvard theater collection and he went about to start acquiring that some directly from hirschfeld but oftentimes he would find them in very unlikely Mm. places um so mel started to acquire a wide range of works and because of that as I said, not only is it the largest collection, but it is the most comprehensive yeah. collection. Yeah, and thinking of it now, it's almost like a Hirschfeld, like another Hirschfeld century. Their collection, yes. it's yeah. just it's everything. Just he's got something of every every period, every type of genre. He's got one of everything. It seems at least and more. One of yeah, at least one of everything, and many times more than one of if everything. If you look at the Hirschfeld Century book, we have collection credits in the back. Mm, You'll see mm-hmm. a substantial number from Harvard. Or quite a few. Um, if you went to the exhibition. Yep. We also borrowed uh, probably a half dozen works yep. from them. If you listen to this podcast and you look at the nice little icon on your screen, uh, the self-portrait is one of the works at Harvard. Right. The, we exactly. call that we call that one colloquially the Fog self-portrait. Because it's at the Fog <laughs> Art Museum. <laughs> yep. And I think he did, I think it's a, one of the reasons I think it's such a great self-portrait is Hirschfeld, I think, was conscious of where it was going. Yes. So it was commissioned by the Fog. Is that correct? Right. Well, it was commissioned by Mel. By Mel Cedar To go to the For the, the museum. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the only, it's, it went from his drawing board essentially to the Fog. Right. Um, and that was in 1985. And I think that was a portrait that was Hirschfeld for the last three decades of his mm. life, maybe mm-hmm. four. Right. I mean, it was a great self-portrait and... Uh, as I said, I think he did that because he knew where it was going. Right. So let's give everybody a sampling of the Harvard collection. A Before taste. we get into the nitty gritty of it, what are the big hitters here? 
gosh, there are so many big hitters. This is an all-star team. It is. <laughs> um, so the, one of the great heavy hitters is from an, a completely obscure show that never made it into New York called Put It Into Writing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was a review of reviews. And uh, Hirschfeld did this wonderful drawing of a G-Clef yep. as a chorus girl yeah. with a glass of champagne and a cigarette holder. And, and a... her body is a G... Oh, did I say... Did you already say that? Yes. Her body's a G-Clef? <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> Typical. Yeah. Well, I just thought of it now, too. That was on a lot of our merchandise for the Hirschfeld Century show. It was right. almost like a Harvard-sponsored <laughs> show. <laughs> All the merchandise they could sell at the Fog Museum. Well, we chose that uh, because the museum was concerned about likeness rights, and they right. didn't want to have to worry about somebody coming and saying, you're selling our likeness. Right. We've never had a problem with that, but they said, what are great images that are not... Personality-based. Personality-based. Yep. Yeah. And, of course, there's a lot of great images like that, but put it in writing is a, such a wonderful piece. Yeah, it is. Um, they have uh, this great image of the American Ballet Theater. Yep, that was put into a print. Yeah, uh, Very nice. made into a print. It was also in the Hirschfeld Century Show. Yep, my my husband's favorite drawing, John Lithgow and M. Butterfly. This is a model of simplicity. It I is. don't think anybody else could draw it. It's amazing. It really is wonderful. Um, and just as amazing, uh, but uh, different. Um, again, very simple, but terrific drawings. Ella Fitzgerald mm-hmm. from 1993, yep. uh, which was also made into a print. Yep. And Orson Welles, uh, one of his, la- his last drawing of Orson Welles. Yep. Again, a simple, um, seemingly almost one-line drawing that captures the whole personality and essence of Orson Welles and is a great drawing to boot. Yep. So there's the, but- uh, those are just the tip of the iceberg. So let's start from the beginning now, now that we've kind of given everybody a taste. Okay, well, we are not going to go through every drawing because this would be a six-hour podcast. I thought that's what we were doing. I (laughs) I printed out this whole big list. (laughs) No, the, the, the... I think one of the most important early drawings that are in the collection is Ethel Waters in Africana. A thousand, a thousand percent. It is an amazing drawing. You know I love Rang Tang. For all you Rang Tang fans out there, <laughs> wait, there's more. Both of you. Ethel Waters in, in Africana. <laughs> We're not sure when this drawing appeared or even where. Right. As the archives manager of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, I am stamping it summer 1927. But we don't know that for sure. We have always given it the general date of 1928. But in fact, uh, Catherine does make a good case that there was a period of time in 1927 where he was doing these um, Cubist Cubist. uh, style drawings. Yeah. Uh, And then never does it again. Right. Then just kind of abandons it. Right. Um, He comes out of that modern art um, idea. Right. But... And I think he is sort of giving a nudge and a wink to cubism Mm -hmm. as much as he is to the performer and the production. Yes, definitely. But he gets past that pretty quickly. He does, Because he's really focusing on the drawing. Yeah, although I love that there are some great drawings. There's not a lot of them, but Ethel Waters and Rang Ting. Yeah. Those are two. Terrific. Uh, Jules Hatfield in the Waltz of the Dogs is another yep. great early drawing. Yep. And Paula Truman in the Grand Street Follies. And those are much more simple. Right. Much more line-based. Much more Hirschfeld-like. Yeah, and much more flat, I think. Yes. To me, at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Ethel Waters also is a combination of ink and charcoal. 
Right, right. That's uh, what those Cubist ones are, which right. is so different. He doesn't we, usually do that. Exactly. Yep. He was still experimenting. Yep. This is in his first year. Remember, his first drawing, his first theatrical drawing, first theatrical caricature is December 1926. Wow. So if it's happening in 1927, if yeah. it, even if it's the summer of 1927, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't even been doing this yeah. for a year. Right. And little did he know that he would have 75 more years to hone the craft. Right. But, and of course, those are all theater drawings because so so few drawings from that period when he did movie work exist. Right. Um, so not surprisingly, the, the collection is heavy on theater because it, what it is housed at the Harvard Theater Collection. I think one of the most significant drawings that they, that he, that is there for theater um, is relatively early, although Hirschfeld had been working for more than 20 years at that time. It's the Barrett's of Wimpole Street mm. uh, and the Glass Menagerie. It's a diptych. Right. If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me tell the story. <laughs> uh, if you've read the Hirschfeld Century book, you've read the story. Mm-hmm. But in here is one drawing, you see the transition of the American theater. Right. Right. And, and the emergence of Tennessee Williams. Right. Yeah. Which is, of course, a big part of the transition right. of, of, the, of the American theater. So that this drawing is in this collection, I think, is that was Mel Seaton being very smart. Yeah. He, no one brought that to his attention. He understood what he was looking at. Yeah, definitely. There's also Lost in the Stars, The View from the Bridge, An Evening with B. Lily, Amadeus, uh, The Watch on the Rhine. Yeah, so the Watch of the Rhine is pretty interesting because he, the collection has the original 1941 cast drawing, mm. which typical of Hirschfeld, if you look at his drawings from week to week in the New York Times, he's constantly reinventing what he does. Right. It's not the same drawing all the time. This one's very different. Very different. Much more tonal. Yes. Much busier than a typical drawing. Yep. One can only assume that he was rushed in some way because, <laughs> you know, the famous expression that he had was when he was rushed, he did a complicated drawing. And when he had time, he did a simple drawing. Right. Uh, this looks like he was very rushed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very complicated. And in fact, 30 years later, when he looks at the drawing for inclusion in the book he did with Brooks Atkinson called The Lively Years, he decides that it's not a drawing he wants to put into a book again. Mm. And he redraws it. Yeah. He takes the central figure figures uh in very similar poses and uh reduces it down to what we would consider a classic Hirschfeld line drawing yes definitely and you can so in in just in this one show you can see the evolution of Hirschfeld style yeah yep uh skin of our teeth so the skin of our teeth is not the one that if you have the book art and recollections from eight decades uh or if you're thinking about the new york times uh cast drawing which is this weird uh it's not only long, but it's uh, it's not even it's a wide horizontal as well as a long vertical. Mm. It's a big drawing. Um, this is not that drawing. This is actually a drawing he did for the Christian Science Monitor, right. which was one of three papers he was working for doing theater work in 1942. Crazy. Uh, and he would only work for the Christian Science Monitor for one year mm. because in 1943, for New York newspapers, he goes exclusive with the New York Times. Right. Um, then another great theater drawing that uh, is in the collection is a revival of Long Day's Journey into Night from 1988. Mm. This starred uh, Jason Robards and um, oh. Colleen Dewhurst. Mm-hmm. And this drawing's featured in The Lion King, correct? Yes. The this... Lion King, excuse me. I might have said The Lion King. <laughs> Al it's Hirschfeld's hard to say. big concern was 
people would say it wrong. It is hard to say, and think you were people about always the have musical. to ask me twice. <laughs> yeah, the Lion King. Well, it is actually this play and this drawing that uh, is the start of the Lion King. Right. Um, Hirschfeld was turning 85. Mm. Uh, there was, uh, uh, Susan Dreyfus was working for the New York Times at this time, and she suggests a, um, a, yeah. uh, a little short film to celebrate his uh, 75th, or his 85th birthday. And he, she follows him to a show, which mm. happens to be the out-of-town tryout, uh, I think actually up in Massachusetts, up mm. in Boston, uh, of Long Day's Journey into Night. She not only draws Al in the seats with Dolly uh, going to see the show, she goes backstage and interviews. She draws him? No, she films him. Okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, see, There's a lot of drawing and filming going on. Yeah, the, I just wanted to make sure. Susan Dreyfus is a filmmaker, <laughs> not a... Uh, she's actually become quite a fine painter, <laughs> but uh, uh, at this time she was exclusively a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It was this little five-minute film that she makes that everyone loves. Yeah. That, you know, it soon becomes obvious that they should do a documentary. Mm. And she starts working on it yeah. at that time. Right. And, of course, it takes another eight years to get it done. But uh, that's the start of it. Right. And so you can see him actually drawing this on camera. And, <laughs> and what's also amazing uh, is that Harvard has the sketchbook right. for this drawing. Well, so you can see you the have, sketches. We've got the that whole story for this drawing. Oh yeah, I mean you can see it from start to finish almost. Perhaps the most documented drawing yeah. of his whole career. Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, so that's a that's pretty wonderful to have in this collection. Yeah, and they have many of the pieces that go with it. Right. So there are four drawings of Julie Harrison in the collection, and once again, if you've listened to this podcast before. You know I love Julie Harris. <laughs> I don't know if Mel Cedon was a friend of Julie Harris or or no, what he it was is. not a friend. No, we don't think so. But I mean, that's a significant number. There are a significant number of uh, Julie Harris drawings. To be fair, she was drawn quite a lot. Oh, at least twenty-five times. Yeah, which is quite a lot. Um, but to have four in one collection, that seems like a lot. Maybe he was just a fan. He also realized that the shows and the drawings were pretty significant. Um, he has the one of the first drawings of, yeah. of Julie Harris, which is member of the wedding. Mm, she's a little she, girl. Yes. <laughs> with Ethel Waters. Yeah, that's true. Look at that. Yeah, Two Ethel Waters drawings. Making the oh connections. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think of um, that. Another great early play of, of Julie Harris was I Am a Camera. Yes. What is that, 55? Yeah, I believe that's so. That's the year from Rebel with the, or, uh, East of Eden. And, of course, I Am a Camera is the Christopher Isherwood Berlin stories, which gets made into a musical maybe you've heard of called Cabaret. I haven't. They also have the drawing of Cabaret with Natasha Richardson and Alan Cumming. And that's the one I was thinking of in my head. And I think for most audiences today, that's the cabaret they think of. Sure, sure. But going back to Julie Harris, we've also got Julie Harris and Christopher Plummer together. I think they were both winning awards or something that year. Well, they were these two old hands on Broadway. Gotcha. Um, This is done in the late nineties. So, in in, I mean, he's been drawing her now for forty years, more Mm. than forty years. Mm -hmm. And the really crazy thing about that is, so he starts drawing her in the late forties. I think the first one is uh, nineteen forty eight. So he'd been working for 28 years at that time. Right. And he would be drawing Julie Harris up until 
Her last drawing is in the late 90s. Mm. The last one is, I think, Lucifer's Child. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, she plays an ancient uh, uh, writer, mm. Isaac uh, Dierkerson. Mm. And uh, so, but here it is. He'd been working, even though he had drawn her for more than 40 years, they, he, there's a significant part of his career before it, and there's even career after right. it. It's an incredibly long right. career for both of them, except Hirschfeld's is just longer. Right. And then the one we skipped over was Skyscraper uh, that Julie oh, yeah. Harris is in as well. Charles Nelson Riley is yeah. also in that. All right. Let's talk just briefly about my favorite medium, television. <laughs> there's not a lot of television drawings in the collection, but the one, the, the one big one is uh, what, what we call me in the set. What's the official name of it? Uh, well, it's or just television it? personalities okay. of 1954. We call it Me in the Set. Right. It was uh, 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 That was the name given to the uh, lithograph the, yeah, um, yeah. that was published of it. I don't think Hirschfeld ever was too thrilled with that title. No. Um, okay. Well, maybe but, I'll stop using it then. <laughs> it's so easy, though. It is, yeah. Uh, because there are plenty of drawings it's of catchy. television personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that work is really iconic in the sense that it really captures early television the, early television yeah. we got of course how can we forget we've got what's my line uh what's my we've line we've got groucho and secret word or whatever his show uh, was Melton burl yeah norman sheen is in that drawing uh and it also has uh joseph welch uh, at Joe McCarthy, the televised McCarthy hearings, oh. where, I mean, essentially mm-hmm. Welch is saying to him, uh, long last, or have you no decency? Right. Classic. Um, so, I mean, it's a really, it's a really important drawing in the history of television. Yeah, it's um, great. It was made into a print. Oh, we already said it was made into a print. And a print is at the Paley Center for Media mm. as well. Um, if you want to talk about early television, mm-hmm. that uh, the shorthand would be this drawing. And Groucho's show was You Bet Your Life, but it had the secret word in it. Is right. that how it goes? <laughs> exactly. Okay. I believe the duck that came down with the secret word is in the drawing. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other television drawing is Fantasy Island, which was a TV Guide cover. Right. And so no really no uh, comprehensive complete. collection. Yeah, no collection is complete. I'll put, put my foot down right now. No collection is complete without a TV Guide drawing. Museums, she's throwing down the gauntlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then there's film drawings, and there's actually a number of film drawings, a number of United Artists film drawings. Yes, yeah. Uh, Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas. It's a great right. one. Uh, the Miracle Worker, also a fantastic, fantastic drawing. And Bancroft drawing. and uh, Patty Duke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then two West Side Story drawings. So tell us about West Side Story. So in, the, in 1960, mm-hmm. Hirschfeld spent the summer... Uh, he took a train out west and mm. did drawings of uh, Elmer Gantry mm. and Inherit the Wind. Right. Um, he then took the train down to Austin to see Nina, but he liked to draw. And yeah. so United Artists was, uh, John, uh, John Wayne was filming the Alamo down right. there. Yep. So he goes on to the set of the Alamo. Fun. And so that's in this one sketchbook. And we mm-hmm. know this. I mean, the sketchbooks almost act as a travel log. Yeah. You can see where he's going. And where does he end up? Over on 10th Avenue uh, as uh, Jerome Robbins is auditioning dancers for the film version of West Side Story. Yep. So there are two drawings of the movie, really. Right. There's one called On the Set of West Side Story, which is on 10th Avenue. Which shows uh, Jerry, Jerry Robbins, Robbins and yep. Robert Wise and yep. some of the dancers. You see a little bit of New York in the background. Right. Um, and then the other one is the West Side Story finale. 
Right. Which I don't think is actually the finale. It's close to it. It's close to it, yeah. <laughs> don't think it ends that way. But no, that's no. beside the point. <laughs> I mean, there's, and there's one other right drawing now. of the film version of West Side Story, which is what is typically seen as the cast drawing right. of that. That's not in this collection. In fact, we right. don't know where that drawing mm, is. Check your grandmother's attic. I always please, tell you. Please, please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a, a nice United Artists collection. And a very dramatic drawing. Much oh, the different finale? Than what you would oh, 100%. Think of, yeah. Uh, a Hirschfeld drawing. Um, it's very or, loud. You can almost hear it. Right. Yeah. And it's it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, Tom Jones, another United Artists film. There is a uh, wonderful, somewhat complicated drawing. It. Oh, with Albert Finney? No. Oh, it's a great draw. It's a great film. You should watch it. Okay. The next, let's talk about Dance Next. Because there are, we've kind of, and this is kind of how we've organized this episode, because there are so, so many drawings, to do it chronologically would be relatively boring. And there are quite a few groupings, like like the Julie Harris, like there's right. four Julie Harris drawings, um, and United Artists drawings. So we've kind of grouped them by subject loosely. Um, so we'll talk about dance next, because there are some really, really remarkable pieces within the dance category. We've already told you about American Ballet Theater. Right. Um, there is a great drawing of Barishnikov mm. doing Metamorphosis. Which is, he's a cockroach. Right. Yes. And so the drawing is is sort of up close and personal it's with crazy. him. crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. Yeah. And a, just a little fun fact about this drawing, um, when I was cleaning up the image for it, I, it was a little tilted to the left, and right. I, so I straightened it out so it was nice and straight on the computer screen. I thought, perfect. And I always wondered, every time I would see it, it was always just a little bit crooked to the left. And it wasn't until the Hirschfeld Century show where we borrowed this piece for the exhibition. I saw it in person. The drawing is actually, it's actually <laughs> tilted to the left. And so now I've stopped doing that. Any, you know, I'll only do it on drawings, which I'm really certain are, are supposed to be right. straight. But this one, it's actually tilted to the left a little bit. So he's kind of like, it's almost like he's climbing, yeah. like as a cockroach, and which makes it a little, which makes it much more creepy than just straight on. Um, but that's just a little fun fact. Yeah, no, <laughs> and he captures the spirit and the personality of the performance. Right. And, of course, about Barishnikov, uh, who we had done wonderful drawings of already mm -hmm. in Giselle and the Nutcracker. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, but this is really a, a, a wonderful piece. There's a great drawing of Galina Pavlova. Oh, yeah, I love in, this one. Um, in the 1983 revival of On Your Toes. Yeah, I love this drawing. It's just so elegant. Right, and this is where he's making use. He, he, Hirschfeld would always say, know your limitations. Mm -hmm. And so you've heard me talk about the Friday drawings and that very limited space actually encouraged Hirschfeld to create better work. Right. Not better work, but, you know, really. More innovative yes. work. Yeah. He was constantly reinventing what he did. Yeah. Uh, it never. It was never a static thing with him. And this drawing uses that space brilliantly. Mm -hmm. So it had great impact on the page, even though it was relatively small. Right. There's also um, that iconic image of Fred Astaire. Oh, yeah, which was later made into a limited right. edition right. etching. That's a wonderful one. Um, yeah. Um, and as we know, Fred Astaire is the Fred Astaire of dance, and Hirschfeld is the Fred Astaire of ink. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes to say, Fred Astaire of dance. Um, um, but there are also portraits of Martha Graham. Yep. 
uh, George Balanchine. Yep. Uh, All-American. David thinks it's hilarious. I put this in the dance category. But it's Ray Bolger. And to me, Ray Bolger is a dancer. Right. Well, that's how I think he saw himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's dancing in the drawing. So. He is mid-flight. Yes. Is this a is this a musical? Mel Brooks musical. But not but a stage musical. Yes. Okay. So it's it's dance in my mind. <laughs> David giggled at me. He said, "You put all American in dance." Oh, you know, it's, you can see what I'm working with, folks. <laughs> all right. What's next, David? Uh, well, while we're on dance, let's talk about music. Great. Uh, there are two great portraits of Irving Berlin. Yes. Done in 1988, which was Both his done, centennial yeah. year. Right. Uh, one is in color. That was uh, done for Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. And one he did for the New York Times, gotcha. which showed him in the 1920s. Yes, very uh, young. Well, they're both kind of very young. Oh, the the color one, he's older. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's definitely enough, older. But uh, the, the one he did for the Times of, of Irving Berlin in the 1920s mm-hmm. is a really terrific drawing. Mm. And he sort of captures both the sort of wonderfulness and the sort of... I wouldn't say reclusiveness, but this sort yeah. of cantankerous side of, yeah. of urban <laughs> Berlin. Um, but there's all, I mean, there's a, there's a great drawing of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, yeah. That was done in 1993 yeah. uh, on the 50th anniversary of uh, Oklahoma. That would be the definitive, that is the image of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Right. If you, there's a book out by Todd Purdom. Yep, um, right on the cover. That we licensed uh, that drawing for the cover. Yep. Um, it's called Something Wonderful. It's a wonderful book and you should Which read it. Which is my, well, no, Adel, Edelweiss is my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein song. But Something Wonderful would be number two. Oh, I always we all cry. have our favorites. Yes. And then uh, one other music drawing I want to point out, um, because most people I don't think have seen this, yeah. is the conductor Lauren Maisel. Yeah, this one's very different. And I picked it out because it was a little different than what we're used to seeing. Well, in some ways, it was done in 2002, but in many ways it's a throwback to his very earliest works. It's a fadeaway drawing where right. um, he has got... Uh, the conductor posed against a black background, and mm-hmm. the black is shows his jacket, and so he just shows some hands, the baton, his uh, collar, and his yep. head, and yet we know everything about how he's moving and what he's dressed like. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's I love that. So interesting. So that's really a full circle. And then, I mean, just when you think this is all uh, um, Broadway people, uh, you have Lauren Maisel and you have Maurice Ravel. Yeah, There's I love. Ch- I always love. Uh, waking up in the morning looking at the Hirschfeld drawings that I have to pick out from from the day and I've got a classical composer I get so excited maybe you know I'm the only one and everybody's like oh great they put up another classical (laughs) composer today but it's just so interesting um that you know he's got we've got everybody yeah Ravel who you know most people don't even know Ravel but you know it's just great right I love Uh, that and it doesn't matter if you don't know what he looks like, because if you look at this drawing... Because <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I don't know what he looks like either. I'm going to assume it looks like it looks this very, drawing. <laughs> it's very accurate, but it's a very engaging drawing, right, no matter right. whether you know what he looks like yes, or not. Yes, definitely. Let's talk about musicals, since we're talking about music. Sure. Um, a really great collection of musicals mm-hmm. in here. Uh, the Tony winner, Hallelujah Baby, mm-hmm. uh, a 1983 revival of Porgy, Porgy and Bess, which is in many ways... Uh, one of the great drawings of Porgy and Bess. Yeah, it really shows everybody and right. kind of sets the, I think it sets the tone right. a little bit for it. Yeah. There's a great one from 64, but this is from 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
as I said, the, uh, the original, um, both the original uh, production of Cabaret and the, the 1998 revival. Right, right. Um, and then we had talked about the drawing of Put It In Writing, mm-hmm. this uh, drawing of uh, G. Clef. Well, I remember finding a, a, a clipping of this and... When I found the clipping, I didn't know what it was for. Right. And I asked Hirschfeld, and we talked about it and whatnot. Mm. And then Mel Seedham found the original drawing. Mm. And in 19, I think it's 97, he uh, Ben Brantley writes a piece on musicals uh, for, you know, there was always a piece in the Times, the Sunday, either before the Tonys or the Sunday mm. of the Tonys. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, um, He's writing about sort of this, this musicals that are not all about uh, uh, Oklahoma or something like that, mm. but much more psychological um, musicals. And he he does something, it's the only time I can remember him doing it, where he takes that G-cleft image and puts it on stage and gives it a standing ovation, which is very similar to a drawing he did for Star in 19. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of, the movie yeah. Star. Mm-hmm. With Ju- with a uh, Julie Andrews, excuse me, I almost said Julie Harris. Uh, <laughs> with Julie Andrews, and I was like, I was okay. That's interesting. It's it's very much like that drawing, right? And so he's combined these two drawings to mm-hmm. make uh, a remarkable drawing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he thought, wow, everybody knows these drawings because one is from a a, <laughs> right. a flop film yeah. and one is from a musical that never made it into New York. A, a review of reviews. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a classic drawing of where's Charlie. That drawing is oh, not yeah. in the collection. Um, in fact, we don't know where that drawing mm-hmm. is. But Hirschfeld, at that time, in the 40s, would often visit rehearsals. And so in August of, I think, 1947, 1948, I forget when that drawing actually appeared, um, when, the, when the show opened, um, Hirschfeld went to a, a rehearsal of Where's Charlie? And we see Ray Bolger and Alan M. McCleary and mm-hmm. George Abbott they're, they almost look like they're in a classroom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going over the show. Yep. Uh, so um, there's a nice little collection. Um, there's a My oh, Fair musicals. Lady yep. with Rex Harrison. It's not the uh, 20th, uh, it's like the 25th anniversary. Yeah. It, he also has a lot of uh, uh, theater creative people um, with an emphasis on playwrights. Right. You have uh, Arthur Miller, um, Hal Prince. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful drawing of English playwrights. Mm. Um, so you get it. What's so great about the collection? It gives you the theater from all different sides. Yeah. You know, you not only have the cast drawings and the individual drawings, but you have behind rehearsal the, drawings, right, backstage behind drawings, behind the and, scenes people, yeah, right. creative, creative members. Um, and then another little grouping. I love these. I'm. I don't know what this is about me. I just. I, I guess I love finding patterns. We all do. But um, there's also a Grapes of Wrath section. So we have a cast drawing with Gary Sinise and Lois Smith. Right. This is the 1990 uh, Broadway adaptation yep. that was uh, won a Tony. Yep. And then there's a single portrait of Lois Smith. Sure. Another East of Eden shout out. <laughs> and uh, and then before that though was this in the 70s? There's Henry Fonda in the yeah, Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Uh, this was part of the movies to remember. The, series. Right. That's what I thought. Yep. Um, so there's a little Grapes of Wrath. So, so I think I mean to me what I see is little things that maybe Mel Cedon liked like right. Julie Harris or maybe he really liked Grapes of Wrath or you know I don't know maybe that's maybe like Ray Bolger who doesn't like Ray Bolger right um, but well, there are the these Grapes kind of, Wrath, of little I, I will say that that was an important production of its time mm, mm-hmm. the 1990 so, right yeah um, the cast drawing is 
very different from cast drawings he was doing at that it time. It looks like, I mean, they're in the Dust Bowl. It looks... Yes, it's yeah. much more of a sketch yeah. than a simple line Oh, it drawing. reminds me of that guy, the Silver Tassie, Tassery? Oh, yeah. Is uh, that what Jack Palance yeah, and yeah. Silver Tassel. Yeah, ta Tassel, yeah. Um, reminds me of that drawing a lot. And then we have drawings that don't really fit anywhere, but that we think are still important. <laughs> so much as I love groupings, there are some that just don't fit. Uh, the first one's the Mikado. Uh, we've, I feel like we've talked about the Mikados before. Right. The Hartford uh, Theater Collection uh, for many years had a, the curator of the collection was a fellow by the name of Rick Wilson, mm. who was a Gilbert and Sullivan scholar. Oh, gotcha. And so over the years, uh, Mel knew that. Mm -hmm. And... The fact is, Hirschfeld was one of those artists who captured... Drew, uh, Gilbert, and Sullivan. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, they the Doily uh, Cart, Doily Cart. Mm -hmm. um, uh, company would come and present whole seasons. Right. And Hirschfeld would frequently do drawings of the whole season in one right. drawing. Yeah. Yeah, I love those. Um, so you would see the Mikado and the gondoliers. Yeah. And, I can never tell them apart. Yeah. HMS <laughs> Pinafore. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, all of those all put together. Yeah. Um, but this Mikado drawing is wonderful. It's actually uh, the companion to, wasn't it the companion to um, On Your Toes? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So the, while the drawings... In many, the shows have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. When you saw them on the page, you realized that they resonated with each yes. other. Yes, and had this is the one we, I forget when we talked about this, but these are the two drawings that one has a G clef in it and the other one has a, what did I say it was? It is it a C clef? F clef? I think it's our Rodgers and Hammerstein show. So. It must, oh gosh, I can't remember now. I think it's called an F clef, but it has the two clefs on either, in each drawing. Right. And we didn't really ever put that together until we saw the page yeah until we saw them on the newspaper together so that's the those are those drawings that we're talking about um there's also death in philadelphia yes a westward ha drawing yep. that shows hirschfeld perlman vernon duke and ogden nash in a hotel suite at the warwick hotel in philadelphia working very very hard on a show that would flop called sweet by and by it was the hirschfeld perlman vernon duke musical and it was a big disaster. Disaster. And after that, uh, Perlman approached Holiday Magazine? No, uh, oh. it was in the, uh, I, I'm sure I've told the story. It was in the last week of uh, um, the show being mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. It was obvious it wasn't going any, anywhere. Right. Uh, Perlman and Hirschfeld have lunch with Ted Patrick of Holiday Magazine. Uh, he asked them what they're doing once the show opens in New York, and they didn't have the courage to say that it's not opening in New York. Ah, so see. they start talking, uh, Perlman starts talking about going sword fishing in Florida, and Hirschfeld talks about <laughs> going to Hollywood to see Dolly. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow the talk gets on to Bali, and Hirschfeld mm -hmm. waxed rhapsodic about Bali. And then he says, oh, you should send said to Tahiti mm. because he would have a field day uh, complaining about Tahiti. Well, one thing leads to another. I can only assume that one drink led to another. And by the end of it, he commissions them to go around the world. Right. And, uh, and Perlman only will do it if, if Hirschfeld can come with him. Right. And they do. And that births uh, Westward Hot or Around the World in 80 Cliches. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. So there's a couple of Perlman drawings in the collection from that series, uh, from Listen to the Mockingbird, mm -hmm. uh, and some later drawings yep. as well. Yep. Uh, some magazine pieces. There's a wonderful color piece from Red Book, of all things. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> he, And to have a comprehensive collection of Hirschfeld, you've got to have some Perlman drawings. Yeah, and don't worry, everybody. I haven't forgotten my secret project. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> I feel that she's forgotten it. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, there's also New York opening. This is from, is this from Manhattan and Me? No, this is from oh. uh, Show Business is No Business. Why did I think it was Manhattan and Me? What am I thinking of? I don't okay, know. I'm okay. supposed to read her mind, folks. <laughs> I cannot do it. Um, well, New York opening. This New is a classic uh, theater scene. Right. I think. this, uh, And it was later used on the poster of... Uh, Noises off. off. Yes, I got that one right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Broadway First Nighters is another drawing they have, which is a classic. It's got anybody who's anybody in mid 20th century theater. Right. This is in, nights. I think, 1957 or 1958. Think, yeah, yeah. It is not the drawing that are the end papers of American theater as uh, seen by Hirschfeld, gotcha. which was the Playbill mural. Gotcha. Um, but they're both called Broadway First Nighters. Because they are, inevitably, alas, Broadway First, yeah, yeah. first Nighters. <laughs> um, but this was another drawing that he did. Again, we don't know what publication it was for, mm -hmm. although we do know that it was published in the Best Plays series that year. So there's always the possibility it could have been drawn for, for that. For that, yeah. Um, there's a drawing of Howard Ross, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm sure was the intersection of Mel's two, uh, two of Mel's right. collection, which was uh, Hirschfeld and the New Yorker. Yep. He knew that he wasn't collecting any New Yorker drawings by Hirschfeld because he had been banned from the magazine. By Harold Ross. Right. <laughs> uh, somebody recently asked... Uh, was that band a long one or a short one? I said, no, it was only 63 years. <laughs> or yep. 53 years. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And Peter Shickley, uh, there's another great drawing yeah. where he is uh, like a, drawn he's as a, like a bassoon or something. He, or he's like, I thought he was a guitar, or a guitar or a violin. Yeah, or cello. It's a wind instrument. Yes. Or it's a string instrument, not it's a, a string wind instrument. Yeah. Um, I included that one because it's funny. Right. Goofy. Mm -hmm. um, so... The, the collection starts with some of the earliest drawings that Hirschfeld did. Yep. And then it ends with the little, pretty much the last drawing. Yep, which is Tommy Toon in White Ties and Tails. This was published in December 2002. Uh, and it's a remarkable drawing in the fact that it's just another great Hirschfeld drawing. Yeah. We don't typically expect the 99-year-old artist to keep on producing great work up until the end. And Hirschfeld is the exception that proves yep. the rule. But here we there, are. There was no inevitable decline. There was no, he literally just stopped. Yeah. Uh, when we did the Hirschfeld Century Exhibition, we left the last wall for drawings he did in the last 18 months of his career. And arguably, it's some of the best drawing mm. that he did. Mm -hmm. So this Tommy Tune is uh, the last published caricature of right. Hirschfeld. Um, before he passed in January 2003. So it takes us to the very end. Right. Uh, so with that, that gives you a sense of the collection. Yeah. The drawings there are, many, are not... Many more we did not mention. <laughs> we could do six episodes yeah, on Yeah, yeah, there are quite drawings. a bit. Um, but the drawings are not 
out on display all the time. Mm -hmm. If you want to see them, you can contact the Harvard Theater Collection and ask. you have to make an arrangement to see them. Yep. They do lend them out for exhibitions. They put on exhibitions of the work. Uh, about 10, 12 years ago, there was a wonderful show at the Morgan Library mm. uh, of from their drawn from their collection that would travel to the McNay Art Museum in San Antonio. Uh, so... Um, it's there's that much of the collection that you could put on that show and there were other shows going on of Hirschfeld's work at the time mm. they lent to those shows and they all got the best work wow yeah so so this was a good one uh it's a little this one is kind of different and you get almost everything you right. get something for everything um so this was fun it was a different episode oh i'm so glad you enjoyed it i, I did, certainly yeah. hope our listeners enjoyed it <laughs> I don't um, care. <laughs> talking about things that you can enjoy, um, if you uh, want to put down the podcast and go out someplace, you should go to the Algonquin. Mm, um, yes. That's up until the end of the month. Right. Uh, you can go to the Core Club yep. on 55th and Park Avenue. It's a private club, but if you go in there and tell them you want to see the Hirschfeld exhibition, there are 17 pieces, half yep. of them drawings, the other half prints yep. um, up at the Core Club. Um, there is works of Hirschfeld at the New York Historical Society in their big show on the Four Freedoms. It doesn't come from our collection, it comes from a private collection. Uh, you can even see a Hirschfeld, although it's just a reproduction, up at the Bennington uh, Vermont Art Museum, where they also have a show on the Four Freedoms. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, of course, anytime you can go to the Pally Center of Media on in New York or LA and see works that they did that uh, that they have from their collection. Right. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and write a review. The um, reviews really help other people find it, and it it really does something for it helps us. Uh, Catherine's ego. <laughs> uh, so we're on Facebook, the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, Twitter, and Instagram at Al Hirschfeld. Put up something every day. Uh, yep. The podcast is alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts with an S. For Seedon. S is for Seedon. That's a good one. For Mel Seedon. Um, Our theme music is by the one and only Dick Hyman. Yep. And you can learn more about Dick at uh, dickhyman.com. Yep. Um, anything else, David? Well, you can write to us. Uh, you can complain. You can send advice or give us ideas for future podcasts. Uh, by writing info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Uh, you can go to our website at alhirschfeldfoundation.org and look up virtually any drawing that Hirschfeld has done over the 82 years of his career. Although I have to give a shout out uh, again this week to mm. Jay Polk, yeah. who in one week has shown us six drawings that we did not have records of. I'm going to be honest, I, I'm a little worried. What do you mean, worried? He's going to take my job. Yeah. <laughs> Jay. i got to get cracking here. Yeah. <laughs> some new stuff. <laughs> now, we really appreciate it. Jay's been doing some great research. It's amazing. And finding things that we... We don't you know, the know about. The film drawings are the hardest drawings to find. Yeah. Because they, um, because they were everywhere, Hirschfeld didn't, keep, didn't get clippings of them at all. Uh, the New York Times, he got the New York Times, so he cut each one out. Right. That was very helpful. When they were in the Herald Tribune, he got the Herald Tribune and he cut them out. Yeah. But he didn't get papers from all over the country. And those drawings frequently did not appear in New York newspapers. So it's been very helpful. So thanks, Jay. Yes. All right. Have a good week and we will see you. Oh, that's your line, David. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll see you when we do. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.